back from Burma is the great Andreas of Austria. Andreas? Yes, yes, yes that's correct. I went so to Burma how... recently uh, twice. You went, you went there twice? Yes, I went there twice. In February what? and in April. So we haven't talked to each other since... Uh, no, not at all. Since... We haven't talked for a long time. I think eight weeks or so. So in that time you went to Burma twice? Yes. Uh, and uh, so what is the what is the state of all this? Is the um, this project going to go forward with the the island and the hotel and the scuba diving? Yes, probably. I'm going back there in October. Work there, which is interesting because um, um, I went to Burma ten years ago and stayed there for half a year or so, and I did a lot of diving there, and I got to know this beautiful island, um, very small one. Nobody lives there, and um, I always wanted to go back to this island because it's the most beautiful one I, I have seen ever anywhere in the world. And um, yeah, now I got this job offer to work there, which is great to explore new dive sites, take care of the guests, um, things like this, but also administrational things. I remember when we talked, you were, you were really excited about this. Is your level of excitement the same? Is it Has it grown? Um, no, because, um, the moment life is not that easy, um, at home in Austria. So I'm more concentrated on other things. But there, there are no complications, at least with the dive, the dive site, the diving in Burma. This is, no, this is, I, as, I don't this think is so. as you, as I you mean, dream. you know, I, yeah, many things can happen. Um, my family at the moment is facing big challenges, so. You never know what is happening. Um, but tell me something about your uh, human side projects. Uh, well, the the first the first book is uh, is finished. Yeah, how many how know. many copies did you print? Uh, well, there's sixty copies. Okay. There's sixty, and uh, a few a few have been uh, distributed already. So there's okay, not 60, so there's not sixty anymore. But uh, to people you knew already, or to people that are that were interested, and then which uh, passed the test to get the, to get a copy of this book? Uh, some who have passed the test. Ah, really? Uh, How did they find yes. out that this book exists? Uh, seems there's some some disturbance from the Colombians. What? <laughs> how, how how did they find out uh, <laughs> that this book exists? Uh, well, I've kind of, I'm kind of um, the idea was to leave these uh, traces, like these uh, crumbs, around the internet that the book existed. And How do you do I'm this? Sort of, it, because I think this book is something that should be discovered only by people that have searched for it. Mm -hmm. It's it's kind of I don't want to market it. I don't want to make a brand. I don't want to do anything. I want I want people who are dedicated to discover it. Okay. Because this is. Uh, this is a book that I discovered because I uh, I looked for it and I found it, and I want I want the the same sort of readers to discover this translation that I've done. And did you get and, some uh, feedback already from the readers, <clears throat> or from some? Of them? Uh, not readers that I don't know. I've only gotten feedback from from people that I already know. Uh, okay. But uh, it, it and and so it. I think it's just getting out there now. It, it, the human side is just starting to get a, 
a presence on the internet where it's actually coming up in Google searches. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I actually put a, put a, a preview, a preview copy of the, the book uh, online. Okay. On Amazon, on Amazon and, uh, and also at different places for free. So you could, you could read like five poems in the introduction, Hampson's uh, forward. And so it's possible to, to see some of it. But the idea is that the, the book would never, the book will never be available in digital format. It, it, mm-hmm. it, it, will, it will never be. Yeah, it's a piece of love. It's a piece of love, yes. It's a hardcover piece of love. Yeah, but which is interesting because actually um, everything started with, uh, I, oh, I don't know, every, but m- many years ago when we met in Colombia, um, the idea was actually to, to publish your, your works uh, digitally, right? Well, <clears throat> that was, uh, well, you, you, read, you read some of my early writing and uh, you, were the, you were the first person you were the first person that I, I didn't know, really, who read it and, and, and loved it. And it was your encouragement that I would publish it online just, just for fun. And so, uh, yeah, and at that hostel in Cali, Colombia, I, uh, I, put, I put the book together and I published it then. Yeah, but do, do you still plan to uh, publish some of your, uh, some of your books um, um, digitally? Or only, uh, no. only, only in this physical form you, do, you did with uh, the Hamson poems? No, I, I removed all those books, the digital okay. copies. Yeah, I, I think the, my plan is eventually to, 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 uh, to edit those books and, uh, and publish them in physical form. And that would be it. There won't be any digital copy of those, those books. And uh, for one thing, I think, I think they, they needed some editing. I think a part of the part of the problem with a lot of my writing has been that I've been very limited for time. I've I've only had basically like six months free to try and write everything that I wanted to write, and then I had to either go to work in Alaska, or I had to ride my bicycle somewhere. Uh, and now you know, and then I was a truck driver, still still doing that, and so it, it's 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 very very limited the amount of time that I have for for doing books. Especially, especially original writing. It's much easier to translate. You can, you can kind of, you know, do a line here and do a line there, but to sit down and to write, to write literature, is very difficult. To write philosophy is much harder. Okay, that's that's um, the hardest of all. Because recently I was thinking about this very much. Um, but do you think, without um, your personal projects, the books and everything, um, it would be possible for you to? Um, to work as a as a truck driver or something else similar to this for a long period without getting i don't know drained or burned out you know because you're not or bored out i don't know because you're you're not doing something that you're actually doing for yourself well that's that's true and uh i i th- one of the one of the reasons that one of the reasons why I took I undertook this project of translating the Hampson poetry was because I felt like I was just I was just existing. Uh, I didn't have I, I felt like I'd kind of written a lot of the stuff down that I wanted to write down. I didn't have the energy to do philosophy and to try and advance the stuff I was working on then. And I was I had to work, 
to feed myself and feed others. And I, I, was, I felt kind of trapped. And I discovered that the one thing I could do was to translate something. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that brought me back to, uh, that brought back a good feeling that I was, that I was doing something. Because translation, it's, it's a very creative act. It's, it's not as highly creative as other, other things where you're making something from scratch, but uh, it was also the subject matter because Hampson at this time of his life was, was in a, was in a, a terrible state. Uh, he was just, uh, he was in agony. And in fact, the book of poetry that he wrote was him returning back to a creative state. And he got, he got there by going back to his childhood home in the north of Norway in, in, in the fjords and the natural beauty of that land, the animals, the forests. Um, <clears throat> and so in, 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 in translating this, I, I felt Hampson's rebirth, and it was kind of my own rebirth in doing the translation, but it also reminded me of my own, my own uh, childhood in Wisconsin and, and, and those places, the wild places, my grandparents. And whenever I can remember that, I'm, I always feel good. Remembering your, ho- remembering your home and your family. Mm-hmm. But do you think the, the process of um, the actual making of the books, I mean the physical books, um, was as important as, um, the, as translating uh, the poems? Uh, yes, I think it was, all, it was all important. And it was a huge, it was a huge challenge. And I, bro- I broke my hand, fractured my hand in a couple of places. It's still not fully mended, but... How did that happen? That I was... I was winding up the landing gear on a truck and the landing gear crank like uh, the weight of the trailer uh, kind of spring-loaded the crank arm. It's a big steel crank arm and it shot around at a high speed. It just shot out of my hand and before I could withdraw my hand, it cracked my hand about three times at least before I could pull my hand away and I, and I could feel nothing in my hand and I felt pain all the way th- up to my shoulder. It was, it was very bad pain. I thought, I, I thought immediately it was broken. Okay. But, but you did not go to the hospital. No, they would just tell, I mean, the problem with doing that is that, that then they, they wouldn't let me work and uh, I'd have to be on special disability and I didn't want to do any of that. I needed to work. And I figured if I could make a, if I could grip my hand, it's just my right hand, I could use my left hand. And I figured it would be an interesting challenge to just, <laughs> just continue. Okay. How, how long did it take to, to recover your hand? Is it, is, uh, it, is it fully functional now? Well, it, it, it was feeling really good. And then I decided to help somebody. Um, th- there was a guy, he was, he was trying to... He, he, well, it, it was two events in the same night, in fact. I was helping two people and I, I refractured my hand by helping them. Uh, the first was a guy who was trying to close the doors on a trailer, and mm-hmm. uh, he, he couldn't do it. And so I, I jumped out and I said, "Hey, I've got a hammer." And I ran over with my I ran over there with my hammer, and I started hammering the door to get it closed. And I felt pain shoot through my hand, and I realized, uh-oh, uh oh, wherever the, the the fracture near the wrist, I felt that pain uh, immediately. And I thought, oh geez, I just refractured it. Mm-hmm. It was it was getting really good. I thought I was I thought it was okay, and now I've done it. And and then the next thing you know, another guy, uh, he uh, was having problems moving the, it's called a fifth wheel. It's the, it's the part of the tractor which you connect the trailer to, the, the, the kingpin. He needed to move that and he, he couldn't do it, didn't know how to do it. 
And I, uh, it gets rusted and stuff, so you got to hammer it. So I got out again with my hammer. With my bad hand now hurting, I smashed it again with the hammer. And then my hand it hurt even more. So now I'm, now I'm in pain again. But I, I still work out. I still, still make the books. Um, I st- you know, you can't, you can't wh- stop. When did you first fracture your hand? When was it? Uh, probably like, I think like maybe eight or nine months ago. Okay. Oh, my God. Yeah, maybe you, you should take a rest. I, you know, I've, I've changed my idea about rest, though. I think rest, it doesn't actually help healing. You, you should be active, but active to a point. You want to protect the thing that's been broken. But um, you, yeah. you, want to, you, also, you also want to also strengthen all of the, the area around what's been broken. Not let it just not do anything. And so... Uh, So, but that that made uh, making the books uh, more difficult for you. What what uh, what kind of what kind of steps are involved to make a book, the way you do it? Uh, you've got to you've got to first you've got to take all the pages and you have to sew them together with uh, thread. Then you have to glue them. You have to reinforce the the binding, uh, the where you've glued it. Um, Then you have to make the covers with fabric and cardboard. Everything has to be cut. You have to t- you have to glue on the end papers that connect the cardboard cover to the to the to the text. Um, there's a tremendous amount of work involved. It's and it's and every every work requires a certain skill that you have to work at until you get good. So it's kind of like every one of these books. The first few copies, when I was doing a new thing, were were my Were my, were my not good copies, but by the 60th copy, I was really good at what I was doing because I, I, I never did one book completely. I'd always do one of the skills 60 mm-hmm. times, and then I would go into the next one. I'd do it 60 times. I'd do 60 times gluing, 60 times sewing. You know, it, it, That's the way it was done. And so you get um, – but the books aren't – the books are – even the worst books are beautiful. The, the the measurements are all precise. Everything was done really well, and uh, some of the early ones, even when I was sewing, um, there's even a bit of blood in the in the books, dried dried okay. dried, dried blood. <laughs> so you imagine the blood of the poet. I think there was a great there was a great film by Jean Cocteau, the Frenchman, called Blood of the Poet. I'm not sure though that that's what he had in mind. That the poet would would, would stick himself with a needle as he was knitting books. But uh, but enough about enough sure. about these books. Let's let's get back to Burma. So <laughs> okay. So so you went you went to the island and did you did you you met the hotel proprietor? Yes, and I did some exploration of the island of some dive sites, and there is more potential to discover new dive sites, which is a which is basically the main reason why I go there, um, because it's such a privilege to be to be able to dive somewhere where nobody ever else. Um, or nobody, nobody ever um, dived before, um, and it's still it's still a great um, uh, diving destination. And this island is just uh, pure nature, so it's uh, it's very it's going to be a very interesting uh, life on the island. I did it before on on a different island nearby, but um, I loved. This was maybe the the best time of my life. Because uh, you you don't have to deal with all of the problems you're you're facing here in the modern world, um, but of course there's 
there's other challenges and um, yeah let's see how it goes maybe maybe you can visit me then well I'd, I'd like to visit you I'd also yeah. I'd also like to do some some diving yeah uh, I, I, or at I mean, least free diving I can we can do some free diving together I'm someone who's never done anything like that in my life. I mean, what, yeah. how would you? What would you recommend? Like, how would how would that go for me? I think I think you're you're more the free diver person, not the scuba diver. Um, what does that mean, free free diving? Yeah, you just dive with the, the 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 air in your lungs. Then you try to stay down as as long as possible. Yeah, but I go to the bottom of a swimming pool like 10 feet and I feel like my ears are going to explode. Yeah, but uh, because you're not equalizing your ears. But let's not talk about things like this because that, that is boring. Uh, I, I can teach you <laughs> I, can, I can teach you how to do it properly. The, the breathing really? techniques and, of course, also the, uh, the, the, the pressure uh, challenges, but which are not challenges because you can easily equalize your ears. Really? Yeah, every, uh, most people can do it. Ninety-nine percent of the people can do it. Well, I hope I'm not. I hope I'm not at that one percent. If no. I'm not in that one percent, I'll be okay. <laughs> no, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, I think and, I think you would like it. Well, how deep could I go as a free diver? Mm, I think um, within three days, uh, fifteen meters. 15 meters. Mm-hmm. Wow. For, 45 I see, feet. I could see quite a. I could see quite a bit. And yeah, uh, it's very diverse uh, marine life. Wow. And how? And how? And why do you think though that free diving would interest me more than scuba diving? I don't know. For the same reason. Because you're you're a person that prefers to uh, to produce books by hand instead of um, publishing books uh, in a digital form. <laughs> that's that's a great way. So when people come to the hotel, you say, "Raise your hand if you prefer books in a digital form." <laughs> and you say, "Oh, you're scuba divers." <laughs> Uh, we have a group of scuba divers with us today Uh, yeah well so all right so you took these two trips how long were these two trips no both uh, uh, a week so two weeks in total but as i said i went i went to this island 10 years ago many times uh, between dives so i've seen it without anything on it Um, no no bungalows nothing and now there's a few bungalows on it and um, yeah, now they, they try to to get guests on this island. Uh, how do you, how do you feel about that? Uh, you cannot avoid it, I think. I mean, it's such a beautiful place, and uh, beautiful places are always popular. Um, and I think they they will try to keep it as um, untouched as much as possible. But of course, tourism always has an, an imp- impact. But uh, it's not; there will never be mass tourism. Probably not even in the whole island group. Ah, maybe in the whole archipelago. Yeah, hard to say. Um, but it, it, it is remote. Not only the island, the whole um, the whole archipelago, the ex, ex 
the access is uh, not that easy. I mean, maybe it will completely change in 30 years, you never know, but um, 30 years ago many, many parts of other countries which are now destroyed were still beautiful, but we will see. It, it's at the very beginning, it's uh, like other um, now popular tourist destinations, um, but 40 years ago. Well, I, I think probably though that whenever a place is very difficult to get to, it it it's very it's a lot easier to maintain uh, its pristine nature. Yeah, probably. I hope so. You know, as long as there's there's no airport. I mean, still, people have to fly most you know around the world to get to that place to begin with. How many scuba divers? Uh, scuba divers are mostly Westerners, and right. Ah, yeah. There's a lot of Asians too. Oh, Asians yeah, are but scuba I, diving? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I totally know what you mean. Um, there's always... Um, um, env- environmental questions you have to ask yourself when you, when you travel somewhere. But, I mean, this is 2019. You cannot avoid it. Um, you can reduce it. But if you want to go somewhere beautiful, uh, tropical, then for most Westerners that means we have to take a flight. Which is sad, but it is how it is. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's, there's there's so many people on the planet, and it's only gonna the planet the, the amount of the population is only expanding. Yeah, it, everything is being overrun. We're, we're we're fortunate that we're even living in a time where there there are places that you can go to, like this place. There's not many left like this, I think. <clears throat> I mean, especially especially tropical islands. Um, jungle and mountains here yeah, there's still many places that are pretty much untouched and not discovered yet how did you how did you find this island in the first place was this a place that you'd heard about or uh what do you mean in the first place 10 years ago or, or uh yeah just recently yeah. no when 10 first, years ago I just, because I, there's a there's a dive site nearby which is which i call the signature dive, dive site of this um island and between the dives, we just went to the bay and uh, spent um, the time between the dives there. And it's just the most beautiful bay I've ever seen. Are you, are you able to, to kind of look at a, a map or look at uh, topography and be able to, to guess that there could be something interesting in a place and then want to go there? I mean, is that part of your research? I mean, when... I looked at so many nautical charts, for example, old British nautical charts, um, of, uh, because it, um, Burma used to be a, a British uh, colony. So there's a lot of oh, there's nautical charts made by the Brits. And I looked so many hours on, on these charts. And I collected, oh, in the last 10 years, I collected every kind of information, rumor whatsoever about um, this archipelago. And um, so, I have a collection of information which was very, which is very useful for, um, you know, GPS coordinates, rumors in sailors' books, and all this kind of stuff. Um, and you can you can use this information to to find um, new dive sites, for example. And um, we we tried; it worked a couple of times already. And uh, there is still a lot more further out. Uh, potential life sets and I'm very looking forward to explore them. So some some of the information that you researched um, was was accurate. 
you went and you yes. found something. Uh, yeah, no, the, the GPS coordinates were not accurate, but uh, near nearby, yeah. Um, because in, in the sailor's book, for example, it, it just had... Um, yeah, uh, GPS coordinates, which were just approximately at, at the um, at the actual position, but um, you talk to fishermen and things like this, and um, or you know the boat captain, and then you you combine all of this information and then you give it a try, and and it worked, and it worked already in in, in Burma for me uh, a couple of years ago when I went there on a, on a liveaboard trip. And I heard rumors about a pinnacle. I jumped into the water a couple of times ten years ago to to find it. It never worked. And um, then I could convince um, on the liveaboard. I could convince the, the captain to look for it because he, because he had a, a big boat with a uh, depth sounder, and we could finally find it. And it was a fantastic dive site. And all you know, always where there's a lot of fishing going on, fishing boats. Um, that's um, a good hint to look for something maybe there is um, a reef or a bank or something like this uh, below the surface you cannot see from above right because the fish fish are gathering in places where there's yeah there's food and food is created by having objects and and formations right yeah yes so so you went on these exploratory missions with captains you just tell them that you want to go here and you jump out and you take a look around i mean that's what you're doing Along the coastline of the island, it's quite easy. You just take a look at the topography above. You snorkel a little bit. We have some um, drone footage um, where, you, where and the water was very clear this day, so you could see uh, down quite well from from the the drone picture. And uh, yeah, then you then you just give it a try and. Um, yeah, a couple of times it was. It turned out to be a great dive set with uh, interesting topography, uh, beautiful corals, marine life, um, a good dive profile, things like this. So, so what is the next step with the this Norwegian uh, owner? He's he's hired you. He wants you to come back. And yes, in October probably when the season starts st again. Oh, okay. So the season will start. You're going to stay then. How how long yes. you stay for? Not a whole season. How but in, in 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 the meantime, I I, I tried to ah uh, seven month. It's a seven month wow. season. You know, there's monsoons in uh, Southeast Asia. Right. Yes. Yeah, so that that's that's the plan. Um, but yeah, I'm more I'm more more curious about uh, your projects. What's the next book uh, you're working on, or you're printing, you're making yourself with uh, with your hands your broken hands <laughs> yes with my broken hands I'm gonna make another book uh well i'm waiting on i'm waiting on this um this bulgarian uh translator of the the poetry of uh varlam shalomov to finish and his book but he was um, russian right a russian bulgarian uh okay. the, the writer shalomov is uh russian was in, oh, yeah. uh, imprisoned in the gul the gulag uh for 17 years it's the poetry is the poetry is beautiful but just, but why are you, why are you waiting for someone you could you could work on the the home depot uh, book for example uh, because yes. you, you told me well, you still, wanted to to uh, make this an actual book too right the home depot stories yes this is um 
this is going to be one of the next books as well. I still need to write, uh, I want to write a new introduction and I want to write uh, two, at least two more stories that, that weren't, that weren't written. I discussed these people with you, but I never wrote the stories. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure you'll love these additional stories. But do you think you can remember the, the conversations uh, you had with them or the, the conversations they had with somebody else? Because it's so, when yeah. was it? That's like no, nine, I remember nine years all. ago. You know, I was, thinking about, I was thinking about my memory the other day and all the stuff that I want to use for its material for stories and I want to write about I remember it very, very clearly, and I can remember it for years. Okay. But, but a lot of the events that, um, like things I've done that I didn't write down, even extraordinary things, um, I forget them and I move on. You know, like whole, whole parts of my life seem very distant to me. I mean, I, 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 I know that they happened, but I certainly don't remember them with the clarity that I do, the material uh, from certain events that I want to use for stories and I want to write. And so um, it's a, it's a funny, it's a funny thing. It's a funny thing about memory. I'm, I'm very selective with what I choose to remember. I choose to remember stuff that has aesthetic value that I could, that I could do something with the rest of it. The rest of it is just not, um, it's not interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. A lot of people dwell on the past. They think about the past. I don't know. I, I was thinking about the past the other day, the past, the past I think is just painful. Yeah. Even, um... even, I, I was just thinking a, about the past recently so much. Oh my god! What What were you thinking? Ah, uh, you know all the family issues uh, I'm carrying around for so many years, and I finally I I told them uh, to my family, especially my father, and um, I don't know so many things um, which were hidden somewhere came up and uh, that's the reason why I told you before we started the podcast that there's a lot of uh, personal things happening right now in my life and um, <clears throat> thinking about the past uh, was one of it. Uh, it sounds like you you had a discussion with your your family. Yeah. You know what happened? Yeah, because um, at the moment my there, there's some um, health issues too within my family you know t- uh, cancer and um, uh, one of my siblings is uh, highly depressed right and um, yeah family coming from a cold family you know emotionally cold um, is not a is not a good um, base to have a, a happy life and also coming back to to the first podcast we did I think you know when we talked about losing losing my soul and things like this. I think that all that all comes uh, from from my past. Actually, it, I I was looking for I was looking for um, actual reasons for losing my soul. You know, because I had so many different symptoms. But it it is all just it's all just physical uh, pro, um, uh, psychological problems. It's nothing physical. Like the physical, <clears throat> the physical the, manifestation. Yeah. Of. And uh, yeah, I, I I could see it again recently with um, uh, pain in my spine, and uh, you can control pain with your mind if you think positive. It's incredible. You can you can make it go away and, and things like this. So I 
you know, you hear you hear it so many times the connection between mind, uh, body, and soul, and you always think, okay, yeah, that's that's bullshit talk, but it is so true actually. You know, I think a lot of times it's at the it's at the extremes though. To you know, a lot of people think that they they have a, a limit for pain. Let's say, like you're working out and you think, okay, I can't go any further. And um, what's interesting though is to try and go further, and to actually go further, and to discover that there's when you get beyond that that supposed limit point that you thought was a limit, you've opened up uh, new territory. So uh, break, breaking your hand, did it open up a new territory, you think? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> no, because, I, I, because, because you said uh, it's also um, an experiment to find out how it heals uh, itself. Because I, I'm, a, I'm a strong believer of um, um, the healing function, the healing capability of, of the body. But, uh, I mean, nine months is a very long time for a fracture, right? So maybe it's time to do something about it. So maybe the experiment did not work. Yeah, but I also, I, I'm not sure that I promoted healing very well. I was, I was just sort of, I was just ignoring the pain and pushing forward because I didn't want to have my projects interrupted. I didn't want to stop working. I didn't want to uh, stop making books. I didn't want to stop anything. And so... I just ignored the pain and uh, continued, and I and I and there was also a bit of ego involved. I kept telling myself, you know, what a, what a great hero I was that I could that I could I could have all these disabilities and still still be productive, <clears throat> and, uh, and then I could come on podcasts and I could talk about how great I was, and you could break my hands and I'd still make books by hand, and uh, it sounds sounds just great. It sounds great, but it, the pain is real. I mean, it hurts. It hurts right now. I have this big. Have this big bump that swells up. Uh, okay. It's like a bone. It's, it's, it's not a bruise, but it's like um, it's hard, like a bone. And it, I mean, do bones swell when they're fractured? Like if you I use don't know, them? Maybe, maybe maybe there's some liquid inside. I have no idea, but it's it doesn't hurt when you push it. it but when I when I when I'm working and when I'm doing things, when I'm working out, it it, it gets larger. Um, I don't know. It's not swollen. It's not like a it's not like a bruise. It's not discolored. It's just this. This very solid, uh, bone-hard ball, and it grows and shrinks. Mm -hmm. It's it's just, just a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it. <clears throat> <laughs> so, what about work? Uh, is it uh, hard work at the moment? Like physically hard work you have to do, or is it just more or well, less driving? Or... I I don't do a whole lot of driving now. I I um. I take uh, two trailers, these they're called pup trailers, and I connect them with a dolly, which is this little connector thing, and, and I I take them about 40 miles to another center, and I, I put them, I take them apart, and I put them both into uh, doorways so they could be unloaded, and then I go inside the center, and I get on a forklift, and I unload trailers, and I reload trailers for between four, five, sometimes six hours, and then... At the end of the night, I load my own tra two trailers up for myself, and I drive them back from where I came, the the forty miles. And uh, that's that's the night. Essentially, I spend most of the night on a forklift. Um, but it's it's good because uh, forklifting is good exercise. You, you get off the forklift. You have to do things. You have to lift things. Uh, you have to you have to make decisions about loading trailers. 
and I'm a very skilled forklift operator. Uh, <laughs> there's, video, there's video, there's video evidence. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, I, I love, I love using this machinery and, 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 and doing it gracefully. I like to, I like to do things with tremendous grace and, but also learning and getting better. And so I, I think my forklifting, you know, after Alaska, my forklifting was at a really high level, but, uh, I think I think now it's it's probably even a higher level. Okay. Yeah, really, um, really good. Speaking of high level, do you think um, there is a, enough potential to write um, a book about the people you meet uh, working as a truck and forklift driver or operator, as you say, um, to write about these people, similar to the Home Depot stories, or are, are they not as? Um, interesting one uh, interesting as, uh, as the home depot people i mean i'm always i'm always looking for stories but i haven't i haven't really discovered much uh what, what's interesting is that these are i think the most interesting thing is that i'm in i'm living in texas which is the south and people speak differently it's my first first southern experience and i think gen, generally the the cultural stuff and the differences from what i've known It's just extraordinary to me that this is America. This is a whole other part of America. And uh, it's very different. That's interesting, but it's not worth writing about. And the people are not sufficiently interesting to write about. Mm-hmm. They all have interesting stories. And I, there's some people that are very, very, very nice people that I've gotten to meet. And uh, I, I think I would just say that the Home Depot people were so extraordinarily damaged and were, were so low. I mean, just been—they're—they're they're the bottom, and these people where I'm working, where I'm working with now, are not at the bottom. Okay. They're, they're closer to the middle, and whenever you're in the middle, the middle is is often not very exciting. It's, you know, the very top and the very bottom are both exciting, but the middle, the middle, the middle is a little boring. Yeah. Yeah, there's stories about going to jail, and there's some drugs, and everyone's got a bunch of kids, and social and family problems, and. But you know, I, uh, that's become so common now, I, uh, and it's it's so depressing. I don't even want to write about it. It's not it's not interesting to me. Yeah, I know what I mean. Uh, walking around here in in Austria and Vienna, I just think, oh my god, having the same day all over again, meeting the same people, seeing the same people. It, I think society or people became very boring nowadays. There's not many. Um, people that stand out from the crowd i think well it's hard to i think that this it's um the whole nature of globalization where everyone is connected with the same facebook and the same instagram the the same they all want to go to the same places take the same pictures and everyone thinks of themselves as this great individual who's created themselves but they all are exactly the same they're all the same brand i I I totally agree yeah But it, it, it's strange. It, it, I, I have this idea, and I, I need to write about it philosophically because I think it's interesting. It's that it's it's actually through uh, the breakdown of communication, and when communities become isolated and people become isolated, then you get difference. And you see this um, in terms of animal species, where you know, like those those the bonobo monkeys and those other monkeys, they were separated by a river, and on one side. They were savages and killers, and the other side, they just make love all the time and um, completely different, but separated uh-huh. only by a river. But they came from the same ancestry, and 
they just were separated and they, they, they radically diverged. Globalization is all about getting rid of those differences, that there would be no rivers to divide us. And they keep saying, at least politically, they're saying, if we can all live together and see each other as, as brothers and sisters and live in peaceful harmony, this will be a better world. Well, it'll be a worse world in the sense of diversity. We won't have different thoughts. We won't have different, different you know, trajectories of human life. We'll all be on the same path. Mm. We'll all be sharing the same thoughts. And if we're all connected virtually, then we really will be sharing all the same thoughts. And we'll have governments monitoring it, making sure that it's not hateful, we're being nice, we're saying the right things. It's, it's a disaster. It's, um, it's, it, it's the opposite of diversity. It's the opposite. It's the, it's the total opposite of all the things they're saying that it is. That's the reason why I feel so uh, comfortable uh, in, in Burma, or especially on, on the island, or also 10 years ago, I, I called the, the, the Burmese uh, co-workers um, 10 years ago on the island, I called them um, a family I, I never had, uh, basically. But these people are still so different, you know. This It was a military dictatorship until, I think, 2012. So it was not part of the rest of the world, really. Um, and people are still very pure um they don't they don't have they don't share the same values as uh, most other people and also you know i mean you know colombia i think colombians are pretty very similar to uh westerners nowadays the same the same values the same goals the same boring lives um but Bur in burma it's still different i mean i i still love latin america it, it's um has a lot of advantages uh, or the, also the mentality is, is has a lot of uh, things that I, I like very much but yeah Burmese people they are completely different I wonder how it is in North Korea it must be interesting to meet these people I think any place that's been <clears throat> separated um, from the rest of where globalization's not gone it's always interesting and that could be because of geography you know if you go to like uh, places far away but even the places far away now um, like, you know, even the Inuit kids are rappers now. Mm -hmm. They're rapping. I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous that these things would come to them. Um, and this is this, this very dominant culture. It, and it's dominant because of its technology. And it, it has mastered the technologies of communication and transportation. And between these two spears of this powerful technological civilization, they're transforming the world. And the only way to stop it is to be isolated as a result of uh, a geopolitics like North Korea or Burma. Um, that's really the only way. Or is to have no, no electricity. Like in, um, you know, I think one of the interesting places that you never visited that, that I think you would love is, uh, is Patagonia. Mm -hmm. And the people there are just wonderful. And I think really the people are wonderful is because uh, transportation and communication break down in Patagonia. It's very hard to get to. The roads are not very good. There are not very many roads. Uh, there are not a lot of people. And they have uh, sporadic power. You know, So the power is always going out. They have to have their own generator. So you, you don't really have uh, internet. You don't have, you don't have phone lines. You don't have all this stuff. So they're unconnected. And it, it makes for just wonderful people. They, they share everything with you. I mean, yeah, all of the great things about meeting people... Um, when they meet a traveler, 
that you experienced in Burma. The same thing happens in Patagonia. The same thing used to happen in Colombia. I mean, Colombia now has become a tourist spot, so it's uh. not the it's not the narco state that it used to be, where everyone was disconnected and um, people were good because they, you know, they had these dangers that 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 kind of forced them to become good. You know, it's interesting how danger danger brings out good things in people. Yeah. You know, war as well. War, yeah. You hear the, you hear these stories all the time about uh, guys who go to war, saying that that was the best experience of their life. You know, fighting with their their comrades. No, but I, I mean people people staying at home. Um, you know, families uh, that stay at home. Uh, I think um, it's for them. It's uh, the most intense time of their life too, and it. Um, Then they have to be. Then they have to show sides of of a human being which are much more human than uh, without without being in such an extraordinary, difficult uh, situation. Um, yeah, but you have you have plans to go back to uh, Patagonia? Well, I'd like to. That's that's the one place in South America that I I really want to go back to. And, so no, uh, no no more Colombia. No, I don't think so. Okay. I, I, I want to go. I want to go back, and I want to do another cycling trip. But I wanted to do a very bold cycling trip. I want to. I want to cycle the abandoned roads um, over the Andes passes, the abandoned passes between Chile and uh, Argentina. Mm-hmm. And these, uh, I think these are like old mining areas. I don't. I don't know exactly. But it would be. Uh, it would be. A, it would be a real challenge. It'd be. A, it, you know. It could. It probably would be dangerous, and you might have to carry the bike. You might have to hike. It might. Who knows? It'd be very challenging. And uh, in what way do you want to uh, write this um, book or whatever this text about the the thoughts you just mentioned a few minutes ago? Uh, well, I want to write a book. Uh, I, I have plans eventually to do a book of book of philosophy. I've already written some of it, but. But in, in uh, Wittgenstein style, I recently I was told that uh, he pronounced his name the English way, right? Is that correct? He he did not like the the, the German uh, pronunciation of his name. I don't know. Yeah, it could be true. It could so, be true. So, somebody told me recently. It might very well be true. He he uh, he was a great man. Uh, he he did he did whatever he wanted. I mean there were. Uh, yeah, no, but uh, so so your your um, text, uh, your ph- philosophical text. Uh, do you want to write it in the Wittgenstein way? Because this is what I, you did on on your blog, right? Because I yeah. thought, oh my god, that's the same bullshit as Wittmisch- Wittgenstein. Did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm gonna write the same way. Yeah, no, I've already written. I've already written. Uh, or you want to make it more of- accessible? I actually think that that writing in, in these uh, that style, the aphoristic style, those short those short passages, I think that's the best way to do writing. And I think even now it's probably the better, probably the best way after all, because these people are so used to reading uh, Twitter. Twitter is like uh, just a bunch of aphorisms, mm-hmm. very short short statements, and you move on to the next one. I don't know. Never used it. Never read it. I I've never used it either. I've never read it either. <laughs> but I understand that that's this is uh, what what everyone uses now. Uh, everyone that I don't know, I don't know. 
I mean, do the guys I work with truck driving? Do they are they on Twitter? I highly doubt it. That's the that's the interesting thing is that when you when you turn on the internet and you read about all of this uh, this outrage, people are angry about something someone said and they want them banned. Or there there are these movements like the the Me Too movement with this, the hashtag. Um, but are these, these things that you talk about at work with the, with your colleagues? No. You know, uh, so, no, so, not at all. But are, at are, all. You, are, are you talking about Netflix shows and Game of Thrones and, I don't know, uh, the newest PlayStation game or uh, the la uh, probably they talk a lot about uh, the latest results in, in football or hockey or basketball or whatsoever? Um, well, so actually, there's very little the typical... communication. Okay. And I don't... And I try not to communicate with, with those those people, really, because inevitably they know that I'm not a Texan. And, uh, but and is, I don't, is, is, is I don't that a like problem to, for them? What? Is that a problem for them that you're not from Texas? No, but it, makes, it, it might make them curious. And I fear them starting to ask questions about where I'm from. I, I have the one advantage that people think I'm much younger than I am. So if I say, yeah, I'm from Chicago and... You know, I've, I was a truck driver before. That that usually that usually is enough. People think, oh, that's that's his whole life right there. Mm -hmm. He's from Chicago and he's a truck driver. And they they there's no reason to ask any more questions. Uh, they they think that that's that's my whole life right there. Because I, the reality is, if I were to talk about everything I've done in my life, it's just ridiculous. Hey, who's going to believe that? That's just, it's just, I don't even, when I think about it, I think, come on, Peter, you really, you were there, you were there, you did that, you were there. It's just ridiculous. I'm very, ha I'm very happy. I, I, t I think the best way to look at your life is you try and view your life as a, a book you want to read, like a biography you want to read. And, uh, you know, when you have a, when you have a challenge in front of you and you say, oh, this is very hard to do. Well, why wouldn't you do it? I mean, that's, that's the kind of biography that you want to read about the guy who took that challenge and then took the next challenge. And, and then, you know, he did this. And so any, anything that's challenging, even in a tough way that's, that's painful, um, people want to read about that kind of stuff. It's dramatic. And if it's in your life, then you can control that story. So it's like a story you're telling yourself. You're this, you're this guy who's going through it. And it's exciting. You know, you find out, and also you find out if you can handle it or not, you know? Am I strong enough for this? Will this kill me? You know, maybe it kills you. I mean, so what? Okay, then you're dead. Oh, well. I don't know. I mean, I, I was never think. you know, I, when I did uh, my adventures, I didn't have uh, normally uh, an insurance so I was not thinking very much about uh, is it possible to get killed or if I was thinking, okay, then I cannot change it anyway because uh, nobody could help me there. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think for a lot of people, these are the, the, the main questions. Um, if, if they are able to, or if they think, are they able to, to do something like this or not? When you, when you, when you went on your adventures, Sorry, was, when when you when you went on these adventures, like yeah. let's say to Burma, to Burma, um, was it just like the idea came to you and you knew that you had to do it, and you never you never sat down and said to yourself, uh, 
well, what if things go wrong? What do I do then? And maybe this is dangerous. And no, you know, I, I was always more attracted to these countries that have a, a dangerous reputation or a reputation of being dangerous. Um, so they, this makes them actually more interesting, more appealing to me. Because I also, also think that the people in these countries um, are in general are generally nicer um, or more interesting than the people uh, living in, in safe countries. Um, I was never, n never really scared of things like this and I had some life-threatening experience, experiences and I'm still doing it. Um, I mean, I'm getting lazy too, I'm getting older, I have seen so much. Um, going to these places does not mean so much anymore to me because I, I have so much experience, so much... Uh, yeah, I, I've just seen so much um, that it's not as uh, exciting anymore. You know, I remember the first do you time... Feel like, do you feel like um, there's kind of two things happening? One, you've, you've already been to a lot of the great places, and then two... Perhaps the world is also becoming more boring. And yes, so definitely. But I, I still, I still try. I mean, every every once in a while, you you, you do a city trip. You know, in February I flew to uh, to Rome because uh, I had five days off from work, and it was a birthday present for my nephew. But I realized uh, one more time, this is just nothing that interests me. Um, I mean, Rome. It's a, it's a very interesting city. Um, all of the historical stuff, it is very impressive, um, but it is so touristy, seriously. Um, and it's at the end of the day, it's, it's just another city. Why, why should you go, why should you fly to, to another city um, without doing anything else? Y you can go to, to other, other cities in other countries, or, but I think you should own, you should combine it with um, with the true uh, experience. Can be can be a nice uh, beach holiday, but which is which is nothing I do. But I can imagine some people just love being at the beach very much and having a nice hotel. And then they should uh, maybe go uh, go to to a city nearby and and explore the the cultural attractions or historical attractions but so many people just fly to Amsterdam and to Berlin and uh, to Rome and Madrid and Barcelona just to to be in another city um, again and I don't understand this this is seriously this is nothing I want to do ever again well because you, you do you think the cities are all kind of they're all kind of the same so. yeah of course there's no reason to. You're I just mean, changing. No, there, there, there is a reason to go to cities, but don't go to the cities without going somewhere else. You know, if oh. I if I if I fly to Naples, um, which is for me a very interesting city because I just love pizza, especially the one from Naples. But I go to I, I take the train a couple a couple of uh, hundreds uh, kilometers south, uh, Calabria in the mountains, um, or. On the, on the coast, it's beautiful, you get wonderful food and um, Italian atmosphere. And then on the way back, you, you just have a day in the, in the big city. Um, but just don't, don't I, I think people should not fly just to, to be able to say, ah, I was in uh, 
15 capitals of Europe. And so many people, this is how people travel nowadays. And it's, it's really true. boring. And they also think that that's, um, they've learned you know, something. They, yeah, yeah, and they go to the same shops um, as they, they do in their hometown or in their, ho in their, in their city where they live. Um, yeah. All of these major big companies, they are around the world now. So you see so many very similar things uh, um, in all these cities. And I think um, in smaller places, um, the differences are, are still much bigger. So the traveling to small places can be a town, I don't know, maybe 100, 200,000 people. Um, it's still much more interesting to explore these places because they are more different um, to your hometown compared to the capital of your country to uh, the capital of a, of a country far away. Well, one of the things that that's one of the reasons I like um, Dallas as much as I do is because it's it's very undeveloped in terms of cities, like the rest of the big cities. And some people will say, people that I know from New York, they'll say, uh, why, why do you live in Dallas? Oh, it's, it's, it's terrible. I mean, it's in Texas? Really? You like it there? They can't believe it. They think that New York, you should live in New York, you should live in LA, you could live in Chicago now. These are the cities. But Dallas, that's not really a city. It's just like some backwoods place. But that's precisely why I like it. I like walking through the downtown and there are abandoned buildings and there's there's bad streets that are that are broken apart the things but which aren't pretty uh, why, I where, like all that why is the city center the city center abandoned it's not abandoned it just is it's it's not developed no, I mean, it's not some been made some pretty. some buildings how is it possible that in a in a big city like Dallas that there is uh, buildings which are not used uh because it's just not a um I think the primary industry, it's not a financial center. Finance is usually a reason why they build stuff up in the center. Uh, you, you also, the Texas people have a different mentality. They don't want to live in the city. They think living in a big house, a big Texas mansion, and having their plot of land is the dream. Mm -hmm. And living in a city with lots of other people is a nightmare. So is so, uh, uh, our rents... Or apartments are they cheap in the city center in Dallas? Uh, well, I mean, when I tell people what I pay, they think it's expensive. But for me, I compare. Yeah, but you're not, you're not really in the city center, I would say. I am. I'm. I'm a mile away, probably, from the exact center of the city. Yeah, but it, it has a very suburban touch, in my opinion. What you think so? Yeah. No. It's a very um. It's an old industrial part with. Okay. Uh, you know, there's a lot of small factories. The original Coca-Cola factory was here. Mm -hmm. um, this is where I live. is is uh, For me, architecturally, it's the most interesting. I love the I love the old buildings that were factories that that you can live in. The loft spaces, the brick. Um, I love the old decaying mm -hmm. brick. Uh, these were well-made buildings that there's no reason to knock down. Their structures are great, and they're great to to for living. Uh, you know, artists would live in these such places. You know, the whole the whole past tradition in New York City, where all the artists lived in uh, uh, Soho, and they lived in these these old industrial buildings. It was very cheap to do it back then. That's why they lived there, and they had a lot of space. But Dallas kind of has 
that similar feel, although they're trying to, in some ways, they're trying to replicate that New York uh, idea here, which, which I hate. You know, just, just try and be Dallas. You don't have to be like New York. Everything wants to be like New York now. It's just, just awful. Mm. And, I don't, and, I, and I don't really like all the graffiti because it's all legal graffiti. You know, they hired artists to go do graffiti. You don't hire artists to do graffiti. Graffiti is uh, it's dangerous, and it's 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 um, something done in the dark of night with the cops chasing you, and you you keep your you you stay secret, and everything is just now it's uh, it's it's fake. Mm. But at least here, there's it's it's less fake, a little bit less fake. But eventually, Dallas will be like every other city. It will be with all these LA people in particular moving here. A lot of California oh, really? people. Uh huh. For what reason are they moving to Dallas? Because it's so expensive in California? Yeah. LA is very expensive. And uh, uh, there's a huge, huge amount of um, California people coming to... Well, they were coming to Austin. Austin's mm-hmm. was kind of the first place everyone goes because it's the big uh, liberal city. So everyone's always thought of Austin as being this cool place. But now Dallas is, 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 uh, is drawing people. And uh, I don't know. I, 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 you know what? I can't even really speak about it. I live here, but I don't really live here. Uh, I'm not. I'm not connected. I have no friends. Uh, I was mostly in a truck for the last three years. Not. Not even here. So, uh, I don't. I don't really know. I can't say. I don't know much about anything anymore. I, I'm just trying to get my my projects done. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, I. I know. I know what you mean when you say you don't know much anymore because I. I was overthinking. Um, Many things already, and you know, I, I don't have many friends here in, in Vienna too. You have some of these friends that are as weird as you, um, scattered around the world. But uh, meeting meeting a person here in Vienna normally um, is not the most exciting thing. So it's it's hard to make friends. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's my fault. Maybe. Um, it is just how it is, but maybe maybe I could I could give it a second chance, but it is really hard for me too. But then, but, but then again, I'm, uh, I'm I'm not hesitating. Like you know, I'm 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 not hiding uh, myself. I'm talking about who I am. Um, I I give it a try, um, but you you live this uh, solitary life basically without uh, even trying to to be connected. I don't do this. I, I still try to be connected, but uh, it's just disappointing to realize, okay, it, at the end of the day, it doesn't really make much sense because we are, we are so different nowadays, um, people, most people and me. But then... But I, 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 was, I was always looking for... Um, I, I don't need to share this someone... I don't need to have shared experiences to be friendly with someone. It's more a sensibility about, about life. And I, I know that when you and I met, <clears throat> I, I knew immediately that you were someone who, uh, who felt a similar way about so many things. And we could talk very easily about any, anything mm, as a result yeah, of that. And I, don't, and I don't often feel that with people. And uh, you, you, know, you know within a few minutes if someone shares, <clears throat> shares a sensibility, an openness, a curiosity, uh, it's just some combination of uh, curiosity is the big thing, and I don't and I don't think people are very curious anymore. No, they're not. 
you know, but I mean, really curious. I mean, I mean real, they, real, they, curio- they, they, real curiosity is like what you were doing with those, those old, old nautical maps. You know, you were trying to find something that no one was even talking about, or they talked about 100 years ago, and mm-hmm. you, were, you were doing this research. That's curiosity. You know, it's the same curiosity why I, just, I, I wanted to translate this book. I was curious about what Hampson had written, and I wanted to feel it and understand it in a deep way. That's curiosity. And, it, and these are projects which are, which are personal projects. You know, they, they may lead to nothing. They're, they're not projects that are done to, to make money or to build a brand or to show off or um, to, you know, you almost feel bad to talk about them to people that don't appreciate them in any way. You feel as though you, you've exposed yourself unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. And it's just, there was no reason to show yourself in this way because it wouldn't be appreciated. So you feel badly for doing it. But you, um, but you talk about these things that you care about with people. Yeah, I do. And, and, you, and, and you know, I mean, I get, I get some, um, how do you say, admiration um, for, for having a life like this. Some people are extremely um, curious and, and they think, wow, how is it possible to, to live a, like, a life like this? Uh, I would never be that brave. Um, so I think there's a lot of people that would actually love to exchange the way they live um, to a more, I don't know, a pure, a more pure way of living or more adventurous. But I mean, it, being here now for, for a year again uh, in Vienna, life is basically a trap. Um, you are you're forced to to be a small piece of this um, of this construct, um, be part of this society, but you cannot you cannot be actually the person you want to be very much anymore. You can have some hobbies and some passions, but you're forced to live a certain a certain life, and the life is very similar. Most most people just have a very similar life, actually. Well, that's the that's one of the things that I I agree with, and I and I think a lot of it though is being determined by the technology that people use. Yeah, it's get, it makes it it makes everything faster and worse. But also, everything is limited. Like you're limited. The technology is not expanding the world. It's actually limiting the world that you live in. And it's limiting the ways you express yourself. People tend to think of it as being this great opportunity. But in fact, it's just the opposite. Because there are bounds and limitations to the technology, which are, which are part of the programming. And you can only express yourself as, further, as far as those bounds go. And if, you, if, if your life is lived that way, like let's say it's lived in 140 characters, you know, that's, that's why these people, when they're shut off Twitter, it's a catastrophic event for them because this was their life. This was their voice. Mm-hmm. It sounds ridiculous to you and I because we don't use it. But imagine if this was what you lived for and you were on every day and this was suddenly taken away from you and you were silenced. This is, it's, it's, your life is over. I mean, it's it's a shocking development. It's incredible. Uh, I mean, you and you and I though are we're, our lives are lived in in very free spaces, which are which there's no government looking at and determining, and corporations aren't determining what we're doing. Um, 
you know, we're, we're careful not to become indebted or enslaved, if, you know, not, not tied down and trapped. If you avoid all the traps, you can have some measure of freedom. Mm. But it's, it's so easy to fall into these traps. And uh, the technology, though, I think is the worst one. And perhaps we're the, we're the last free people because we were born at a time when there were no cell phones and there, there wasn't an internet. And the, the, freedom is, the freedom is going to be less going forward as everyone is connected and globalized. Yeah. I mean, there, there, may be, there may be no more unconnected experiences, you know, to have experiences when the connection is not there. I don't know. I mean, either. It, I, for me, it is um, definitely much harder to be connected or to feel some kind of connection to young to the young generation. The young generation is for me. So I, I always say, okay, you are maybe ten years younger than me. But um, or I, I, I say this to old people because you know um, I take care of uh, old people in wheelchairs, and um, then they say. Um, that I'm from a completely different generation uh, compared to them, but I always tell them, okay, no, no, actually, it's not true. Maybe you're you're uh, twice as old as I am, so in their mid seventies, but we are more similar than. But he, I think you said that too to this uh, 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 waitress um, in Texas, right? And it, it's totally true. Um, we are more similar to much older people than to people just a few years younger than we are because they grew up with all of this uh, te- technology and yes. we did not. I mean, I, 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 I got in touch with the internet the first time, I think, when I was 17 and it was extremely slow. So it, it was not a, not at all a part of my life back then. You know, you, you used it maybe twice a week for 20 minutes um, to check your emails, but... Uh, you did not get any emails anyway, because nobody <laughs> nobody was using it back then. But um, it it was extremely exciting to hear this noise of this modem, and to finally be connected. I mean, no, this was an experience. Seriously, you you were connected to the internet, and nowadays uh, you just get angry when you cannot um, uh, find a connection uh, immediately. So. It is it, the, the the last twenty years. Um, probably um, humans changed as much as never as before. Well, I think we're still trying to figure out the changes. I, I think it's just it's so early. Um, you think of all the the transformations of human life, and I and it's hard even to think of things like uh, writing and how the ability to write things down transformed human life. But it did. It transformed human life in a big way. And I think it, it transforms how people think. And I think writing enabled people to, to think at a much more complex and higher level because you could, you, could, you could make an argument. You could remember what you just said and then build upon it. And you could, you could move it to the next level. And you had a record of where you'd been. And you could, you could, you could develop these beautiful systems, these, these massive things that if you were just talking, it would be very hard to do. It probably would be impossible. And so thinking the way people th- thought about the world changed. And I think now we have basically a kind of writing that is, uh, you know, with the internet is you have all of this information. So how does this now change how we think about the world? Actually, I, the strange thing is, I think the world is being forgotten 
I think the virtual world is more interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, it may it may come to pass that the world survives all of these uh, terrible things happening to it because people just want to go live in cities and be connected to the internet. You know, if that's the way people want to live, then places like Patagonia will be just fine. You know, no one's going to want to go there. Why would you go there? There's yeah, no maybe. city there. There's no internet. There's no reason to go. So it might be a good thing in, okay. in a way. Yeah. There might I, be, I, like, I like that view. I don't know. There's, you know, the interesting thing with, with, the, with the way the development of the world is, you know, we tend to, to look at all the things that are being going extinct. But when things go extinct, there are new pockets that are opened up. Um, that are very unexpected. You don't know what fills that 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 pocket, and that views that views that extinction as a possibility to to grow in some new way. Like you know, when the dinosaurs uh, were made extinct, probably because of that uh, asteroid hitting the Earth sixty something million years ago. The, ast- the the dinosaurs go extinct, but guess guess who is the result evolutionarily because of the dinosaurs' extinction? It's human beings. We never would have developed if the dinosaurs had not gone extinct. And so you think about the extinctions of like 90% of the large animals on the earth, which is, which is kind of going on right now. And you say, oh, that's terrible. But um, well, I don't know what the percentage is. Maybe it's not 90. I don't know. But a lot of the, the large animals are going extinct. You say, oh, it's terrible. We can see them disappearing. But you know what's not disappearing are like all of the living life which is like 90% of it which is like microbes and fungi like a lot of this stuff is 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 having a great time you know it's 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 surviving it's growing it's 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 loving life so we're kind of selective in what we see and uh there there you can't get rid of life really i mean i I suppose eventually you could but it, it life is very powerful at some level at some level something that seems so bad it's 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 enjoying it yeah, but this is like this is like a, a cycle back to where it all started, right? All the the bacteria and uh, virus and all this kind of stuff. Um, I don't know. Um, I don't like the imagination that everything is going back um, this way. I don't. Know. I, I um, think the hardest the hardest thing to think about is that all of this, uh, all of these human projects, which we value so much, they could be just so much um, fossilized material that there's no one there to understand it or ever to see it or dig it up or care about it. It'll just be gone. And that there'll be no one to look at it and to marvel at it. You know, there's, there's no other beings that will show up and dig it out of the ground and say, look at this object. I wonder how this works. And it was an old iPod. And they figure it out and they say, wow, these creatures that lived use these things. <laughs> you know? And uh, um, they would... They would put it in, a, in, a, in an alien museum and say, the humans, the humanoids use these iPods. And they would laugh about it and say that they were, they're stupid creatures, but this is very interesting. You know, there are these stupid creatures on this planet. You know, perhaps that'll never happen. There's be no one to, to dig us up and to, to say, wow, look at their cities. Look at their yeah. internet. 